Hi there everyone. Well, um, it's a bittersweet moment for me because this is the end of the identity series and I think it's been so powerful. I encourage you to please revisit any of the messages that maybe you missed out on. Um, I believe God wants to do something so powerful with regards to our identities and today I'm going to I'm going to give you the final message and it's basically entitled Unlocking Your Identity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness, we thank you for your kindness, and we thank you for how you are teaching us and what you're imparting to us. We ask for your grace, Lord, to understand what you're saying in this hour. We open our hearts to you, Holy Spirit, and we say, come and transform us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to dive straight into it. I've been thinking about this. I wonder how many people would have been in the Bible if they had responded to God's invitation to unlock their identity. Perhaps to a large extent, we only get to hear about the ones that responded. Think about it. You know, Jeremiah responded, right? Um, Isaiah responded. Ezekiel responded. But could there have been other prophets who didn't really embrace their identities and that's why we don't know anything about them? Or maybe some who are a bit obscure, maybe their name was mentioned here and there, but they would have been greater if they had embraced their identities. So I want to go back to the origin of our identity because when we understand the origin of our identity, where it comes from, the source of our identity, we are more likely to find ourselves fully embracing it and fully unlocking our identities. So let's have a look at Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to read from verses 26 through to 31. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now that's such a powerful passage of scripture there because there's so much to do with identity. When you understand your identity, you begin to unlock it. In creation order, it is interesting to note that part of the reasoning behind being created in his image was actually our dominion. It's interesting that he says, you know, let me make man, let us make man in our own image so that he may rule. You see, God is a ruler. God is a ruler and he created us to rule. Not ruling over another person. I'm not talking about that type of rulership. But he created us to be in charge. To be in charge. And many of you are in a place in your life where you don't feel like you're in charge of your own life. You're living by default. You're not living by design. God created you to have dominion. It's part of your identity. You see, because mankind was made in God's image, mankind had the ability to rule. You see, and rulership is embedded in God's DNA. This is so, so important, okay? God is a ruler. God decides, this is what I will do, and he does it. Many of us, we want to live in righteousness, but then we don't. So we're not really in charge. We're not living out our lives as powerful people. 
where we live out how we choose to live out, where we say the word of God says this, therefore I will be this. God has created you for dominion. God has created you for rulership. Now, here's the question I want to ask you. Is there something in your life over which you don't have dominion? Is there something in your life over which you don't have dominion? For example, maybe a habit, maybe money, maybe money has become your master. It's not a servant. You know, money is a good servant, but it's not a good master. Maybe you're enslaved to it. You see, you were created to rule. When we meditate on God's nature and realize that we were created in his image, we begin to take charge instead of living like victims. When Adam fell, this image was eroded and Christ came to redeem this, that image of God in us. Christ came to redeem this. You know, if you look in the Berean study Bible at 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 4, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Everything that you need for life and godliness. If you're a married man, you've got everything that you need to be a good husband. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and and godliness. And it's not just a random power, it's divine power, God's power. Through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. So we walk in this divine power to the degree to which we have a revelation of it. It's through knowledge. Through these, he has given us his precious and magnificent promises so that through them, through the promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature. Can you see the link there? We are created in his image and his agenda is that he wants us to partake of his nature, to partake of his nature. Now that you have escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. Well, how did that corruption come? It's because man is depraved and it's because man is fallen. So we fell away from that image of God that we were first created for. Okay, so your identity determines your value. This is what we see here in the scripture. God has created different animals. He created them according to their kind. That's what the Bible says. He created each one of them according to their kind. And then he created mankind. That's one kind. You know, some people uh, who are racist have got this idea of, you know, they're different species of human beings. No, it doesn't work like that. There's mankind. He created the animals, each according to their kind. And then there's one kind of human being, right? And so the Bible says that we are one kind, that's mankind. This is one kind of being, not many kinds, okay? And with regards to how he created them, he only differentiated them according to gender. That's the only thing. It says male and female, he created them. And it didn't have any remixes around that. There's male, there's female. And today a lot of people are trying to sort of change that and say, no, 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 no. And we've got this androgynous society building up. No, God created mankind and he created us male and female, not both and. All right. Um, so this shows us that he values both men and women as both were created in his image. Have a look at that in verse 28. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. 
fill the earth and subdue it. There's something about God where he loves filling things. And I'm going to talk about that just now. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now, some people now worship the animals. I don't get that. Okay. They now worship the animals that God said rule over. Your identity determines your potential. When you know that God has blessed you with his image, when you have that revelation, it will determine your potential. God blessed. So in other words, he spoke life. Okay, blessing has to do with speaking, right? He spoke to mankind in a manner that he didn't do with the animals. Just think about it. He didn't do that to the animals. But it says he blessed mankind, okay, and he gave them that dominion. He spoke good words over them, right? And this is our uniqueness. This is our uniqueness. And it's so important that we have a clear theology of how God fills things. Because when we have this, it helps us to unlock our identity and step out for his glory. Don't be double-minded about this. God says, fill the earth, subdue the earth. God likes the idea of filling things. We are filled with the spirit of God. We are to be salt and light to our communities. So we to fill our communities with the word of God, with the love of Christ. Okay, He loves to fill things up. But we need to get rid of the things that are taking up space. I can't fill up a bottle of water with water if it's already got something else in it. I can't fill up a bottle with water if it's already half full with something else. Okay, they'll end up being a dilution of something, a diluted version of the water that I want to pour in. So are you creating space so that God can fill you up with what he wants to fill you up with? He's into filling up space. He's into filling up space. And I believe that although God is omnipresent, in other words, he's he's everywhere. Right. He wants to manifest his glory everywhere. Right. Jesus is not manifest everywhere. You get what I'm saying, right? God is omnipresent, so he is there. But there are places where we know, wow, he inhabits the praises of the saints. His glory is there. And that's his agenda. He wants to fill this world with his glory. And when we begin to have a revelation of this, we go out in boldness representing Christ because we know that that's his agenda. Part of my identity is to express Christ in the nations. Part of your identity is to express Christ in the nations. That's what God wants. And I believe that he's doing that in our lives even right now. So I want to show you some powerful scriptures concerning God filling up the earth. All right. Um, Numbers 14 verse 21 says, Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth. So there was that sense of conviction that the saints of old had that God desires his glory to fill the whole earth. Okay, Habakkuk 2, Habakkuk 2, 14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. God wants to fill this earth with his glory. In the book of Psalms 72, verse 19, it says, Praise be to his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Okay. Jeremiah 23 verse 24. Who can hide in secret places 
so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord. Do not I fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. Ephesians 4 verse 10, he who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. And that's when he then goes to talk about how God gave gifts to men to prepare the saints for maturity. And I think this is so, so powerful because it's highlighting the fact that part of your identity is dominion. Part of your identity is not taking sides, but taking over. Part of your identity is being in charge, being in charge of whatever sphere of influence God has given you. He wants to rule through you, not to dominate people. Please don't, don't misinterpret what I'm saying, but he wants to rule through you. And sometimes if you look at how you behave on a day-to-day -day basis, on a weekly basis, it's important to ask yourself, am I in charge of my life? Do I have dominion? Am I living out my, my full purpose or am I living as a victim? In Ephesians 1 verse 23, it says, which is his body, talking about the church, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So in the workplace, part of your identity is in Christ to fill that place with his glory, to fill that place with his love, to fill that place with his word. To fill that place with his goodness, a fragrance, a sweet smelling fragrance for the people around you. Okay, By how you work, the spirit of excellence, people must see the glory of God. Right? God is glorified in our fruitfulness, the Bible tells us. In Isaiah 6 verse 3, it says, And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now, worship is a response to a revelation we have of God. And you see, when the cherubim and the seraphim, when they were singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, they had a revelation of his holiness as they could see the glory of the Lord filling the whole earth. And they worshipped him based on that. How do you see God right now? How do you see him right now? It's important for us to understand the source of our identity. Our identity comes from God. Our identity comes from God and we were created in his image and he desires that image to flow throughout the earth. His glory in us to flow throughout the earth. He wants to do this thing through us. And when we get this revelation, a lot of things begin to change. God wants to manifest his glory everywhere through his church. And this can only happen when we unlock our identity in him. It can only happen when we unlock our identity in him. Then God says, said in verse 29, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. You see, God's blessing always includes divine supply. God doesn't just say, I'm creating you in my image, go and take dominion, and then he doesn't provide for you. You see, God never gives you an assignment without providing resources for the assignment and for you. Not just for the assignment. Not just for the assignments. You see, sometimes we've got this thing of, yeah, God will supply for his assignment and for his agenda. But part of his agenda is your well-being so that you fulfill the assignment. So God here says, go and take dominion. Adam and Eve, go and have dominion. Go and subdue the earth. But this will be food for you. God does that. He provides for you. This is for someone this morning. This is for you 
right? And just take it and receive it. As long as you have made a decision to subdue, as long as you've made the decision to fulfill your life assignment, as long as you've embraced God's image as part of your identity, God will supply. He'll supply for the assignment and he will also supply for your needs. This is so important to fully embrace. Your identity determines the type and the extent of your supply. Your identity determines the type and the extent of your supply. He didn't supply for the animals in the same way that he supplied for Adam and Eve. Okay? He stated these things separately. He says, for the animals, this is what I'll provide. This is what they will have. For you, Adam and Eve, this is what you'll have. Based on your assignment, based on your identity, they will be the, they will be the supply for that particular thing. A big assignment, big supply. One of the reasons a lot of Christians don't walk in God's provision is that their vision is too small. Their vision is too small. Small vision doesn't require great supply. Some of you are believing for great supply, but your vision is small. Sometimes we need to enlarge our vision and we will see the divine supply for that particular vision. Okay, uh, that's very important. Your, your identity will determine the type and the extent of your supply. And here's the thing. When God gives us identity, he also determines our nourishment. He did this for both mankind and the animals. Okay, God doesn't just create things and people and then he's not responsible to supply and to provide. He thought through it. He thought through it that I'm going to create mankind, but this is how I'm going to sustain them. God does not sustain, God does not create something without thinking through its sustenance. God does not create something without thinking through its sustenance. So important. Okay. He thinks through the sustenance. So God will not say plant a church and then he doesn't think through, okay, how am I going to provide for the church? Okay. God doesn't say, okay, start a business and doesn't think through how is it, how are we going to sustain this? And that's why it's in your interest. It's in my interest to make sure that every single thing I'm doing is birthed in God. Every single thing we do is birthed in God because that's how I can guarantee his supply. Now, whatever idea is birthed by God also includes a resourcing plan from God. And to plan is to prepare the details beforehand, isn't it? So God has prepared the details beforehand. I find it amazing that the provision came before he actually uh, had mankind there. Because he started with the, with the trees and with the other things, um, the whole ecosystem. He started with that. And after he had made provision, he then comes and says, mankind, I'm placing you here. Isn't that powerful? And when we think of provision, it means to see before. So God has already seen your needs beforehand. It's not an afterthought. When you're praying, saying, Lord, please supply, please supply. God is like, I've already done so. I've already done so. You must now walk in my purpose, but I've already thought through how I'm going to sustain my purpose. Okay. So in verse 30, it says, And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, Everything that had breath of life in it, life that came from God, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. If God has declared it, it was so. It is so. It will be so. Because God has declared it. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there, were, there, there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. 
So if you believe that you were created by God, you can say to the person next to you, this is very good. This is very good because God doesn't make junk. God doesn't make junk. And we need to catch up with God in terms of how he sees us. And we need to begin to confess how he sees us. That's what, that's what we must speak over our lives. His word, because that's what's powerful. Now, when we understand the root and the source of our identity, okay, it helps us to unlock our identity. And I want to give you an example of someone in scripture, a great prophet, Jeremiah, and how he interacted with God, with regards to his identity. And I believe that it's a picture of how we can also interact with God um, in this whole dynamic of identity formation and embracing our identity and then unlocking it, unlocking it. Because some of you haven't fully unlocked your identity. So here's mankind created in the image of God, called to take dominion, right? To have dominion, to subdue the earth, right? But what happens after the fall? What mindsets do we end up having with regards to our identity? And how does God then interface with us? I believe this is the picture of how he interfaces with each one of us. So let's have a look at Jeremiah chapter 1. And I'm going to read from verse 4 through to 12. This is the call of Jeremiah. Okay. It says here, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. This tells me that the true essence of who I am was already there before I got my body. So the value of a person is not based on the degree to which their body is formed. This is so important. So when people abort a child, for example, and they say this child is not fully developed, that is not a biblical Christian worldview of a person because God knew you before you were even born. God knew you before he had even fashioned you. Okay. Uh, and this is, this is so crucial to have that as a foundation in, in our hearts. So <clears throat> he says this to Jeremiah. So God first deals with our identity to get us to cooperate with his divine purpose. So God doesn't just pitch up and say to Jeremiah, hey, go and do this. He first reminds Jeremiah of who he is. He takes him back to the Garden of Eden. He takes him back to that place of you were created in my image. I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. I had an idea of you. I had already connected with you. You see, if you look at that word new, it's the word in the Hebrew, yada. And it literally speaks of intimate friends. <laughs> Isn't that powerful? God knows you. God knows you. There's that closeness. It, it means he clearly understands. It's to clearly understand something. It means to comprehend. It means certainty. So God was certain about your purpose. It means to investigate. It means to consider. It means to learn about something. So he's basically saying, I'd already considered you before I formed you. You see, God is a bit like an architect. If you say to an architect, I want you to design this wonderful building for me. First question the architect is going to ask you is, what is its purpose? Is it a house? Is it an office block? Is it a school? He wants to know the purpose. And so God starts with your purpose. And the Bible tells us that he doesn't change his mind concerning your purpose. 
Okay, the Bible tells us that the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. In other words, they're without repentance. The Bible says in some translations, his gifts and calling are without, without repentance. So why do you think God has changed his mind about you? And when God calls you to something, why do you think it was an afterthought that, oh, it's because of all my good deeds and how well I performed. Now he's called me to this. No, it might take a while for him to appoint you into something because you've been delaying it because of your disobedience and certain things in your character because he wants to anoint you. All right. But you need to be a vessel of honor that can contain the anointing. Otherwise, the anointing will destroy you. Right. But when it comes to his purpose, and his thoughts about you, these were things he had already decided before he had even formed you. And then when he formed you and he fashioned you, he did it according to the purpose. And that's why one of the key ways of knowing your life purpose is looking at how you are wired and not hating how you are wired and not wanting to be wired like someone else and not like and not trying to change who you are. You see? So he says, I knew you. So your purpose was in the mind of God before you had had the chance to perform. And God doesn't change his mind about you afterwards. He doesn't change his mind. And that's why if someone is, um, is in sin and so on and we step them down from leadership, we step, step them down from functioning in a certain way, we're doing that ultimately so they can be restored. That's the goal of church discipline. It's so that you can restore someone where you're saying, listen, this thing is now destroying you. Okay, let's work on you as a person so that God can use you again at some point. God always starts with the man. He always starts with the man or the woman, with you, the person. And then he gives you a message and then he gives you what he wants you to do. All right. Now, sometimes we start doing certain things that we are called to do, but then we end up messed up as a person. So then we have to say, let's take this person. Let's let's take them to hospital spiritual hospital and let's just do some uh, panel beating so that they can be restored to their purpose okay so god doesn't change his mind concerning you this is important to understand here's an important principle there are many people that were fashioned by god for his praise and glory but they're misusing this see god fashioned them so that they can be a great worship leader but now they're in a space in their lives where they are coming up with dodgy lyrics and making a lot of money as a pop star somewhere. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being a pop star, but when you misuse the gift of God and you start using it for the enemy, okay, uh, the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. God can still restore that. And you end up still aligned with your purpose. And that's why we need to pray for a lot of these people. They're very talented very anointed in a sense, but they're misusing their gifts. They're misusing their gifts. Someone who's called to be a preacher and God wired him that way is now maybe just someone who's become a humanistic uh, or new age motivational speaker, for example. A lot of these guys are doing what seems to be amazing out there. were actually called by God to use it for God's kingdom. And unfortunately, what happens is when you misuse your natural talents that God uh, gave you, at a certain point, the enemy can actually come and give you his empowerment to do certain things in the world. And that's why there are a number of people, musicians, for example, they're actually supernaturally empowered, but with powers of darkness to do what they're doing. Okay. 
um, yet God really wanted to use them. Uh, let me just reinforce this principle. You see that in Psalm, in the book of Psalms 139 verse 14, it says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Isn't that powerful? You know, that word uh, wonderfully made, it's the word palah in the Hebrew, and it literally means separated or distinct. So when you say, I am fearfully and I'm wonderfully made, the wonderfully made there means I'm uniquely made. Okay, it wasn't like this, you know, uh, mass production in the factory. Let's just make these people clones of each other. No, God thought through your purpose. He thought through your assignment and created you in his image, but uniquely his for his purpose. Okay, and then uh, the word wonderful, when it says your works are wonderful, it actually means surpassing or extraordinary. And it's talking about your works as an us who've been created. Right. So there's nothing wrong with saying I'm extraordinary. OK, now don't go around telling everyone that because they might misunderstand you. But say that at least to yourself. I'm extraordinary. I was extraordinarily made. OK, and praise God for that. Don't underestimate how big you are. God has wired you specifically for your life assignment. In verse six, it says, alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. So beware of the identity killers. We, we talk, spoke about that last week. If our identity remains unlocked, we will always struggle to embrace our calling. You see, there's a link between knowing your identity and embracing your calling. You see, and that was an identity killer for him because in his mind, he had this argument that had exalted itself above the knowledge of God, right? That says, mm -mm, God can only use people this age. Remember, I spoke to you last week about being too rigid. Oh, I'm too young. Oh, I'm too old. I'm too black. I'm too white. I'm too this. I'm too that. And God says, do not say that. And I'm saying to you this morning, don't say that. Those, those identity killers, stop saying that. You see, God wasn't interested in just what Jeremiah was thinking about himself. He was also interested in what Jeremiah was speaking over his life because he was called to be a prophet, someone who had powerful words. And for some of us, we're destroying ourselves because of what we say about ourselves. Okay? There's no point in saying, oh, yes, my words are so powerful just in a prayer meeting. No, your words are powerful all the time, even in what you say about yourself. You know, man was given the power to name the animals our words create. The Bible tells us in the book of Genesis that uh, Adam named the animals and whatever name he gave them, they, they were that. I'll continue reading verse 7. It says, you must go to everyone I send you and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Verse 9. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I've put my words in your mouth. This is amazing. Your identity determines your access rights. Jeremiah gained access to God's words. You know, when you watch those uh, FBI movies and so on, like 24, you know, the, the various movies, um, crime scene investigation, etc. You've got all these officers 
and they've got different access rights based on their level. And because our identity is in Christ, we've got access to his knowledge. I've preached before on the mind of Christ, that we've got the mind of Christ. Because of our various mantles and callings, we've got access rights, okay, with God. And we see here that Jeremiah as a prophet gained access to God's words. And I believe that we are a prophetic people. And God is saying, you know what? I've given you in my word, my words. And I'm giving you access to my words and you can use them. Anyone who's a born again believer, we've got access rights. You see, Adam was given delegated authority to name animals. Jeremiah was given God's words to speak to nations. What does your identity and assignment give you access to? Just think about that. What is your identity and your assignment in life, your calling in life, your office in life? What is it giving you access to? Are you fully embracing your access rights? In verse 10, it says, See today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Now, God had already said to Adam and Eve, go and subdue the earth, fill it. All right? He had already said that. So that's the general calling that we all have, all right? To fill the earth and to subdue, to take dominion. But it's interesting that based on our unique assignments, there are different spheres that God actually appoints us over. There are different spheres when it comes to the prophetic, different spheres of influence. The Greek word is metron when it comes to uh, the apostolic ministry, right? So with Jeremiah, he was a prophet over nations and he was given authority to uproot and to tear down, to destroy and overthrow. And God gave him divine resources for that. And it was primarily what he would say with his mouth. What has God given you? What has God given you? Whenever God calls you, he will supply. He will supply the anointing you need. He will give you the words you need. Okay. So it says in verse 11, the word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see the branch of an almond tree. So he functioned in that, di that dimension of the prophetic ministry where he would see things and then he would speak what he saw. I see the branch of an almond tree. I replied, the Lord said to me, you have seen correctly. So it's possible to not see correctly, by the way. You have seen correctly, for I'm watching to see that my word is fulfilled. I believe that this is one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible. I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. So you know what? It's in my interest to speak God's word because that's what he has promised he's going to watch over. He hasn't said he's going to watch over my own words. He said he'll watch over his words. God is watching over his word in your life to see that it is fulfilled. Question, are you giving him something to watch over? We must declare the word over our lives and over our destiny. We must declare those words. And what's powerful about the word that we release is that even when we've died, that word is still powerful because God is watching over that particular word. 
Okay, I was speaking to someone who I was coaching uh, the other day and this person was just telling me that uh, she was saying my grandmother, my great grandmother was such a prayer warrior. She was the kind of person who literally, you know, when you talk of someone praying all the time, we're watching TV. She's in that corner praying. We're walking down the streets to the shops. She's just greeting people. She's praying for them. She was always praying. She died when she was over 100 years of years of age. And this lady was just saying that I wish that mantle and my desire when she passed away is that mantle come on me all also, so that I learn how to pray like that, okay? And I said to her, you know what's so powerful? That's such a powerful thing to have in your heritage because those prayers that she prayed, even though she's passed on now, those prayers are still powerful because it was God's word being released and God is watching over that word to fulfill it. Pray for people who have not yet been born. Pray for people who have not yet been born, right? Pray for people who have not yet been born. Pray for your children's children's children, Okay? And you will see that there's such power that will be released over their lives because our prayers are releasing God's word. That's so important. Okay, so pray for those people who are not yet uh, who are not yet born. Pray for your descendants. Pray, pray, pray. You see, God is the I am. He's not the I was. He's not the I will be. So everything in His mind, everything from God's perspective, is present tense. Is present tense. He was challenging me on this recently, just saying, Paul, begin to thank me, not just for what I've done, not just for what I'm currently doing. Thank me for what I will do. And thank me for what I will do with the same passion and enthusiasm that you thank me for what I've already done. And I began to pray like that. And it was so powerful. I began to thank God as though it were already, it had already been done, it already been had already taken place. I began to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for my, my son's marriages. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. Thank you for wonderful wives for them. Thank you for their children. Thank you for this. Oh, Lord, thank you so much for the relationship we all have with each other. Thank you for what you're doing in the church. Things that haven't yet happened, they haven't yet manifested in the natural, right? You see, thanksgiving is one of the highest forms of faith. It's an expression of faith. But we need to thank God with that same emotional uh, intensity that we would thank him for things he's already done. We need to be thanking him for things he will do. It's so, so important. We cut out a lot of our thanksgiving because we tend to limit it to the past. Now, God is watching over his word. And uh, that word watching is the word shakad, which means watching waking, hastening, anticipating, on the lookout for. It means to care for watchfully. Isn't that amazing? God is caring about his word watchfully, anticipating that it's going to be fulfilled. For me, if believers grab a hold of this, they'll be activating the word of God in their lives way more, way more. They'll be releasing the word of God in their lives way more. If they understood this principle, God is watching over his word. Jeremiah chapter one, verses 17 to 19. Get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them, whatever I command you, do not be terrified by them or I will terrify you before them. Now, let's focus on the getting yourself ready. What do you need to do right now to get yourself ready? Well, it doesn't just say, go and speak what I've commanded you. It says, get yourself ready. Get in the word. Get in prayer. Build yourself up in the most holy faith. And then you'll be ready to step out and do what God has called you to do. Now, we also see something powerful here. Do not be terrified by them or I will terrify you before them. One of the biggest identity killers is fear. 
is fear. And we know that fear stands for false evidence appearing real. That's a powerful acronym for fear. False evidence appearing real, right? So fear has consequences. That's why God says, do not be terrified by them or else I will terrify you before them. Do you know what I believe this is also speaking of, by the way? Here's another way of putting it. Do not yield to the habit of fear. You know, fear, anxiety, worry is often a habit. We get so used to the stinking thinking, right? Do not yield to the habit of fear. And if you do so, you might open yourself up to a spirit of terror. You see, we get deeper and deeper into fear. Initially, it's just, you know, general anxiety, general worry. It becomes a habit. It becomes a stronghold in your mind. And then you you open yourself up to terror. You open yourself up to terror. And it's not like God goes out, you know, sending terror and putting it onto people and so on. But in the Old Testament, there's what we call the divine passive tense. It's where God allows certain things to happen. He allows certain things to happen. Okay, if you don't believe my word and you continue in fear, I will give you over to that fear. Because you're literally calling that spirit of fear. We must be so, so careful. You know, fear is one of the quickest ways to attract demons. The kingdom of darkness is characterized by fear. A lot of people who leave Satanism, one of the key things you see on them, if you're doing deliverance on them and so on, one of the key things you see is fear, fear, terror, okay? Um, And the kingdom of God is faith, it's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's righteousness. And that's what we must walk in. In verse 18, it says, Today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you. For I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. For me, this is so, so, so amazing. Jeremiah was made into a fortified city. He was made into a fortified city. He was made into an iron pillar. You see, God wires you in the womb, but then is continuously making you into something for his purpose. He's enlarging you right now. He's enlarging you right now. Just receive that. He's enlarging you right now. Do you know what you are being made into? You see, you're not who you were last year. You're not who you were last year. There are new mantles being placed upon you. There's a fresh anointing that you're starting to walk in. And what tends to happen is that we, we, we have a confidence level and we have levels of fear that are based on who we were in the past. We live life according to who we were five years ago and we forget that there have been activations of new mantles. I think of the last number of years in the church and the number of people we've activated gifts into. We've we've activated things into them, right? We've imparted to them. We've we've made certain declarations and there's some that have taken hold of those new mantles and run with them. There are others that don't believe that. Remember I've said to you before, the work of the believer is believing. That's what we need to do. We need to believe that God is making us into something. And it's interesting for those of you who are doubting because in verse 18 he says, today I've made you a fortified city. He doesn't say, while you're in your mother's womb, I made you a fortified city. He's saying, today I've made you a fortified city. I've made you an iron pillar and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land. So God calls us 
into certain into a certain ministry. He gives us certain assignments. He knew us while we were still in our mother's womb. But as we receive from heaven and we walk in faithfulness with that particular calling, to that particular calling, guess what? He begins to build certain things onto us. And Jeremiah was made into a fortified city. I think that's so powerful. All right. So he's enlarging you. Do you know what you are being made into? You're not who you were last year. They're new mantles. They're new mantles being placed upon you. You see, knowing who you are is a key to overcoming fear. It's interesting that when God was addressing the issue of um, uh, fear in Jeremiah's life, he actually started off with Jeremiah's identity. God addressed the issue of identity in order to deliver Jeremiah from fear. He had to deal with his identity. You are bigger than you think. Don't give in to fear based on how you see yourself. Catch up with how God sees you. Just catch up to how God sees you. You see, when God fashions you into something new, he will always give you what he's planned to give you in order for you to overcome in a particular situation. He will always add his super to your natural. He will always give you and he will always add his super to your natural. And that's what he did with Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 5 verse 14, it says, Therefore, this is what the Lord God Almighty says. Because the people have spoken these words, I will make my words in your mouth a fire. And these people, the word, the wood it consumes. So that the super is added to Jeremiah's natural. The word of the Lord in Jeremiah becomes a fire that can consume. The word of the Lord in you becomes something that can do dangerous things on the planet. Jeremiah 23 verse 29 says, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces? That's how powerful God's word is. And we must embrace that. We must embrace it. God wants to add his super to your natural. Maybe you've got a, a natural talent in singing, but God will make your voice like fire and people get delivered as you sing because you're now yielding to your identity in him. You see, when we fully embrace these things, what ends up happening in our lives, and it's important to really understand this, we overcome fear. You see, if you're in a house and you can hear burglars outside, and you, you believe that it's just you in the house and there are burglars outside, you'll be terrified. But if all of a sudden God opens your eyes and you suddenly see all these angels around you about to protect you, what will happen? The fear goes away. You see, the fear goes away when you know the resources you have access to. The fear goes away when you know what he's made you become. When Jeremiah began to realize that, wait a minute, I'm a fortified city. He knew that he would overcome. Earlier on, it says that um, you, you, they will fight you, but they will not overcome. So even when we're walking in our calling, we'll still have battles to face, but we will overcome. I want to encourage you to walk in the fullness of your identity as you go forth from this particular series. Walk in the fullness of your identity. Release the word of God over your life. All those prophetic words, locate yourself in scripture. Remind yourself that you're created in the image of God. 
And all we will say is, we're going to watch this space. We're going to watch this space. Watch what God can do because he's watching over the word released over your life. He's watching. He's anticipating that it will be fulfilled. God is on your side. Be encouraged. Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you for this wonderful series we've been through. I pray that nothing of it will be robbed from your people, Lord. I thank you, Father God, that you're taking your people to higher heights, new places in God. I thank you, Father God, that you are a redeemer. You're the one who takes us back to that place, Lord, where we have a revelation that we're created in your image. We yield to you now and we say, come and have your way. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And the people of God said, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll start a new series uh, this coming week. We'll be talking about uh, it's the School of Divine Healing. I believe that there are a lot of... Um, a lot of people in the body of Christ who are being attacked in the area of health. And I believe that God wants his word to really get into us with regards to healing. He wants to equip us. He wants to take us to higher heights in terms of our faith levels when it comes to uh, the working of miracles, when it comes to the power gifts, and when it comes to releasing faith for healing. God bless you.